local USCW 3000. We are the union. The union is us. My name is Ryan Conejo Sauno, and I am technically the summer project organizer this year. I was a summer project organizer last year as well. Um, I'm actually a college student, so I come and work for them over the summer. And I'm a little bit different than everybody else. Everybody else has been like a member, then become like a union rep or like gone to work in the union. But my mom's actually a member. She's been a member for, I think, like 13 years now about our processing and packing plant. And the biggest thing that I've seen from the union is that it gives a voice for people who don't really have a voice and it makes people become like stronger in a way. And it's just an amazing way to gather everybody and fight for a common goal, which is really awesome. That is really cool. Do you want to give a shout out to mom? Yeah, shout out to my mom, Monica Sano at Draper Valley. Thank you. Hi, my name is Michaela. Welcome to our local UFCW 3000 podcast. I do apologize to my listeners. If you hear an extra bit of echoing going on in today's recording, it is because we have the biggest conference room in our Seattle building that we are recording in today. So you're going to hear a little extra background noise, but I'll do my best to edit that out for you. I have Mark here, the director of education for our union. And I thought we could start off this episode with really going in depth to what our union offers. And whenever you're ready, you could just introduce yourself and tell our listeners who you are and how long you've been a part of our union and just give us a little bit of your background story. Sure. Hi, I'm Mark Auerbach. I'm the education director at UFCW 3000. I started at UFCW 3000 in late 2016. Previously, I had worked at our international union for about four years as a researcher. A lot of that time I spent uh, supporting our Walmart campaign, learned a lot there, Uh, took a break for about a year, and then came back to Seattle, where I'd been living since 1985, to work for our local. And I started out in our research department and had a couple different sort of uh, assignments before I came into this education department role, which is a new role for our union. I'm the first education director. That's um, cool. Yeah. So I would say we're kind of learning what we need in this area of our work, but I think it's really, really important work and I love doing it. I'm really lucky to, I think, have fallen into this role. And just a little more about myself, I guess. I grew up in a pro-union household, right? So I always had like the idea of Unions was a positive thing for me. I always thought, you know, companies, employers have have uh, their own motivations and goals, and often those goals uh, push them to exploit <laughs> workers. And workers need to organize together to defend their defend and improve their working conditions in the workplace and outside of the workplace too. 
because uh, the corporations and billionaires, they don't stop fighting for their own priorities uh, at the workplace. They go in politics, they're, they're in our neighborhoods and communities and impacting our families in lots of different ways. So I had that consciousness, right? But like yeah. a lot of people, I didn't really have an opportunity to work in a union workplace until I guess my late 20s. And that experience like was really formative for me because I had, I worked as a school bus driver in Seattle for a non-union contract. And it was terrible. (laughs) It was everybody, you know, lots of favoritism, very aggressive attendance policy. You know, if you wanted overtime, you had to kiss ass. You could see, you know, like people were kind of afraid to talk about whatever their gripes or concerns or desires might be to improve that workplace. I actually did talk to people about organizing there and didn't get too far. uh, And I ended up moving over to King County Metro Mm -hmm. as a bus driver. I worked there for about 11 years. I was a member of Amalgamated Transit Union Local 587. And I still remember the first day I walked into work at Metro after my training and I felt like I wasn't expecting it, right? Like Mm -hmm. I felt like I had stepped from uh, living in a dictatorship (laughs) (laughs) to living in in a free country, right? Because I walked in and people are standing around. They're talking about whatever they want to talk about. They're not, you can just tell like the whole vibe was different. You could see who your shop stewards were. You could get a copy of your contract. People obviously had no fear about complaining about their job or talking about their concerns. It was just like all right out there and it wasn't a perfect place to work. We had a lot of issues, but we had a pretty strong union culture and a pretty strong union local and you could feel it. It just felt different. It sounds like a totally different environment and a really positive one to be in, which makes your workers want to stay and do quality work and you know be a long-term employee. It's amazing how big of a difference a union can make and impact just the environment of walking into a building. Yeah, no, I totally agree. You know, that experience really kind of inspires me today. Like one of the things that I really is kind of a thread throughout all our education work for me um, and all of the trainings we do is like you have a union. You should not be afraid to stand up to make things better in your workplace. And too many people, even with the union, are still afraid. Some of that is because... In their particular workplace, maybe we're not strong enough. We don't have enough people involved. We don't have enough people educated about their rights. Um, We haven't formed, you know, we have a union, we have a contract, but really making that a reality depends on you and your coworkers coming together to do it, to be the union in your work site. So breaking through that barrier um, and giving people the tools they need to do that, that's, that's a big part of my work. And so I love doing that. I'm helping people move past that fear. Mm-hmm. and create that kind of vibe in their workplace, right? It's huge. Was it when you left Metro that you became part of UFCW? Yeah, I went to school for a little while. I went mm-hmm. back to school at a ripe old age. Oh, I was very lucky to be able to do that. Uh, and then I went, went to work for the International, yeah, for about four years. Nice. And how long have you been the director of education? And how did that role start for you? How long have I been the director of education? And if you mentioned it already, I apologize. No, no. I'm trying to remember when I formally started and I'm not sure that I can. Was it during the COVID it's years? Like, it was all kind it's of like a couple together. years. It's like a couple years now. Not very long. <laughs> I feel like 2023 is sort of like the second round. You know, yes. if we think about it in an annual kind of cycle of planning and, you know, making some decisions together with my colleagues about what we need to do to best serve members and provide support to members. That makes sense. And you said that this is a new department. So did you have the idea and start it or did they (laughs) start with the idea and then recruit you into it? 
Well, that's a, how, that's a good question. Yeah, I think that we were sort of approaching this idea for quite a while. Mm-hmm. You know, our the philosophy we have adopted as a union and the strategic outlook is sort of what I was describing before, that the union's power is not in the staff. It's not in these offices that we're sitting in. The union's power comes from a membership that's active and organizing with, together with their coworkers, right. right? creating that culture every day in the workplace so that we're defending our contract. We're challenging managers that bully our coworkers. Mm-hmm. We're addressing safety concerns, right? We know how to do that and we're not alone, right? We're doing it together with our coworkers yeah. in the workplace and the solution to every problem is not necessarily call the union, right? Yes. You are the union, <laughs> right? Get together with your coworkers, figure out what you need to change to improve your work lives and make it respectful, safe, well-paid environment, right? And do that work. So I think we sort of, in a very intentional way, adopted as a union, before I was in this role, a program, we called it the 4500 Project. It's like, we want to identify, we had about 45,000 members at the time, now we're a little more. 10% of our members who are leaders or moving into a leadership role, because we feel like in any workplace, If you can hit that number, really, you can do anything. Yeah. That's massively powerful. And most unions, including us, are are not there yet, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But but that was sort of a goal. And so I think that goal and that strategic approach, way of thinking about our work, forced us to think about, well, okay, so that's what we want. What do we need to provide our members um, in order to make it possible for them to take on those roles? And how do we find the people who really have the capacity and drive to be those leaders. And also, how do we understand as staff at the union, how do we learn the things we need to learn to be good at that? Right. Not, not always going in and doing the thing, but figuring out how to provide members with the tools and skills to do the thing so that they are building their capacity with their coworkers in their workplaces every day. That's great talk, right? Yeah. <laughs> and the I, doing it is always a lot harder, right? Yeah. I get with where, where you're going with that, though, because our biggest tool is education. And it takes education to make changes happen and get people all on the same page and educated on understanding everything, like our rights and our contracts and everything. So that makes sense. I mean, most major businesses or corporations or hospital facilities have an education department. That focuses on making sure everyone is up to date on the information that they need to know and understand. And it's a huge tool. So it it makes sense. I was just curious as to how it all got started. And I think it's great that it did get started and you're making headway and changes. So as the educational director, what projects are you focused on currently or what services are you able to provide our union stewards and members and employees? Yeah, so... I know it's Uh, kind of a big question. It's a big question. (laughs) There's kind of a bunch of different things that we do. Of course, a big part of this early work has been developing or revising our sort of structured trainings, Mm -hmm. right? So we have shop steward trainings. You want to learn about how to be a shop steward in a wine garden meeting, which is where the employer is investigating something that happened in the workplace that could potentially lead to discipline for one of our members. And we think it really makes sense to have shop stewards in every work site who are capable of representing members in those wine garden meetings. And members have a legal right, constitutional right, really, to be represented in those meetings by the union. So that's one thing I want to say. Education here, if you're a member of a union... not just ours. Most union members, you're covered by this. You have wine garden rights. And that means 
If a manager starts asking you questions that you reasonably believe could lead to discipline, please don't say anything. Ask for a union representative, and then a staff person or steward will be assigned. And you don't have to answer any questions until that union person is there. I'm glad you mentioned that. We actually <laughs> talk about it more in depth in my first episode, Great. and I reiterated the law and when it was passed and exactly what it states. But I am glad that you recap that because, again, if our listeners don't listen to every episode, which I highly encourage everyone to do, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they now have that information. And again, if you want more information on your wine garden rights, just go to our first podcast episode and it's in there. Awesome. There. So, yeah, that's a, that's like a really, really basic core right that um, when you think about it, for all of these things we're going to talk about but with training. Only 6% of private sector workers in the United States are unionized. And I think it's maybe 10 or 11% in the public sector. So a lot of our members come into these jobs without any experience of working in a union environment. And they don't know their rights. Yeah. (laughs) Right? So it's up to shop stewards, staff, and more experienced members to make sure, especially when somebody new comes into your place. Hey, guess what? You know, (laughs) let me introduce myself. I want to make sure you know about some things. You know, this is a different environment than you maybe have worked in before. And make sure to take advantage of all the rights that people have fought for. Yeah. So we have formal trainings. So it might be wine garden, you know, how to be a steward in a wine garden meeting, how to participate in grievance investigations. So you might work with your union rep or with a member resources center representative to investigate a workplace incident that could lead to discipline or that perhaps it's just something we need to address, right? We have kind of an introductory steward training that we call leaders in action, which is really geared towards if you are somebody who you might be a steward, you might be thinking about becoming a steward. Or you might just be somebody in your workplace that people kind of trust and you like to understand what's going on, right? Mm -hmm. You can come to a leaders in action training online, you know, for about 90 minutes and we're going to help make sure you understand your fundamental rights as a union worker. And particularly when you start to be in that shop steward role, Mm -hmm. because shop stewards have, you know, special rights and that helps you know, a lot of people might be, for instance, fearful. Well, if I step into that shop steward role, is that does that mean, you know, my manager is going to look at me differently or treat me differently? Well, they can't. That's illegal. Exactly. Right. We're protected by our union from that. Right. It just means that you're going to be a little more involved and that you're wanting and willing to be a more active participant and to help stay on top of things and to help keep our union reps informed of everything that's going on. Right. So that leaders in action training is basically explaining all of those core, you know, a range of core rights, your right, um, your rights to participate as a shop steward, your right to, um, here's a technical term, concerted activity, but it just basically means you're getting together with your coworkers to advocate for yourselves around something related to your working conditions. Right. And you have a legal right to do that. Yes, which I had just talked to you about, Kathy, with (laughs) (laughs) previously. An example of that would be a sticker up, wearing a sticker or a button when your bargaining team is trying to negotiate a contract with your employer. Absolutely. Instances like that. Right. Talking around contract time, even just talking about the union. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Even just educating a new employee who just got hired on or maybe someone who isn't new, but they changed from a PRN, which is a as needed basis kind of employee, someone who's not scheduled, but just kind of called in whenever there's a shortage. If someone goes from PRN when they are not on the contract to a full-time employee, now they're covered by the union in that contract. And sometimes it's just the instances of jumping on that opportunity to talk to that employee whose role has changed to say, hey, you've now not only inherited scheduled shifts, but you've also inherited our union and here's how it can help you. And 
here's the benefits that we offer. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's a great training for anybody that's sort of like just thinking like, I want to be part of making things better here yeah. in my workplace, but I don't know where to start. Or I'm going to refresher on some of those basic rights. Or, you know, maybe I've got a manager that's kind of a bully and I'm, and I'm wondering if I step up, what's the impact on me? What are the tools I have? So leaders in action. So for instance, we'll offer that online. Like every couple months, we're doing a day where we offer a couple of those, like one in the morning, one in the But union reps can also do those trainings out in the field. So mm-hmm. and that's another thing we've been working on in the department is try to get some of these core trainings so that we have tools for staff. So any of your union reps, if you're somebody that's interested, but at times don't work when we have a sort of scheduled training, you know, find a couple of coworkers maybe that are also interested, make an appointment with your rep. And they can walk you through any of this stuff. That's really Um, cool. I know I've been contacted by my rep a few times. His name's Brandon. mm -hmm. He's wonderful. He's contacted me periodically, letting me know about events that are happening or educational opportunities. And a lot of the time I end up having to work, unfortunately. Right. (laughs) But I always appreciate that heads up that, hey, if you want to look into this or just because I can't go, doesn't mean my coworker can't go. And so I also share that information. So if we, let's say, are just missing the phone calls from our reps and the timing isn't on point, is there another location that our members can go to to get information on events that are coming up? Yeah. So one thing is you can always email me or you can email the education department if you have interest in any of this stuff. And that's just training at UFCW3000.org. You can also go to the website and it's a little funny describing, you know, <laughs> how to hard. navigate around a website. I try to keep it kind of like, we can get as specific as we want, but it's, yeah. it's a little much for leaders. But if you do go to ufcw3000.org, you can look in a general direction on the page, which I will leave for you to take over. Yeah. If you go to the website, you'll see there's a stewards area, like in the top navigation menu. And then there's a sub menu for training, right? So if you go to that submenu, it's going to list a bunch of union events, including a lot of different trainings. So for instance, we're now doing one of the things I'm really excited about. We've done two of them this year. We're doing quarterly in-person shop steward trainings in locations around the state. So we've had five different locations each. We're going to try to add to that a little bit, but the next round of that is going to be on September 12th. So you could sign up for one of those sessions and we're going to focus on organizing. So that's like you have an issue at work um, or you have a contract negotiation that you're part of and you want to sort of build power and organize with your coworkers to advocate for some kind of change. This is going to be sort of basic tools and rights when it comes to organizing with your coworkers. But we have a different topic each time. That's Um, cool. So we've done, uh, we did a Weingarten training and we did a grievance investigation training and next one will be organizing. And some of those locations, I just went to our last one in Tacoma. Mm-hmm. There's Tacoma. There's a location in Kitsap. So I think it's Silverdale is yeah. where that location is. Tacoma, Silverdale, Des Moines, Mount Vernon, and Spokane. We're trying to sprinkle in some of our smaller offices too when we can. Some of those will also just be on custom dates depending on when staff are available. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the next one is September 12th, except the Tacoma session is going to be September 11th. We've moved the location to a better location. So if you were in Tacoma, you probably know it was a little bit hard finding that spot. Yeah, I panicked. Uh, <laughs> I got called in it and I blew up someone's phone trying to find where we were supposed to go. So I'm yeah. glad they changed the location. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we we received the feedback and you know, we don't have an office in Tacoma. So it's yeah. uh, finding a place that works uh, sometimes a little challenging. But I think this is good. We're going to be at the IBW Hall. So I'm really excited about those. You know, the 
just the mere fact that we can have five locations around the state. We have staff who are really capable to facilitate those workshops with members. Um, and I know I was here in Des Moines for the last one, and we had a fantastic group of members, and it was just really, really fun. I think people got a lot out of it, and I'm looking forward to really scaling those up so we have like 50 people in the room instead of five or 10, right? Yeah. And really make it kind of a big event in our union every once a quarter. Anybody, you don't have to be a steward, right? Steward training, but you don't have to be a steward. Any member can come um, cool. and kind of check it out. Yeah. I didn't think of of that. That's great to know that any member can go that you don't yeah. have to be a steward, yeah. which makes sense because I mean, it's really just learning more about everything that we need to know. Yeah. And then if you're like, hey, this is cool. I want to be a steward. Great. Right. Perfect. Sign but, me up. <laughs> <laughs> so we're doing, you know, in, in different ways, both sort of online periodic trainings on basic steward stuff and basic rights. We're doing those quarterly shop steward meetings, staff, your union rep out in the field can mm-hmm. do some of those trainings with you. Or I always say it's, you know, I'm glad you're interested. Do you have a couple of coworkers that might join you? And then, yeah. we, you know, we start getting people organized together, but that's always possible. Also on the shop steward page on our website, we have three like handbooks that people can download. If you really prefer a paper copy, you can ask your rep and they can find one for you. Those cover a lot of the stuff I'm telling you about right here. Like they correspond to the trainings that we're doing. Yeah. So I think uh, for memory, it's your wine garden rights and grievance investigations. Is that what those handbooks cover? Yeah. So the... Um, I'm trying to remember. Yeah. Yeah. Asking. There is one that is called Leaders in Action and that's sort mm-hmm. of core rights of members and shop stewards. Then the next one is Steward's Guide to Representation. And that goes really heavy into Wine Garden, mm-hmm. some other stuff as well. And then the next one is more focused on, on grievances, on okay. investigating and sort of managing grievances. And that is called Grievance Hailing Step-by-Step, I believe. Perfect. And those are great resources. You can download them. You can have them on your phone, you know, you can always find them on the website. And again, great for any member, whether you're a steward or not. I think you'll get a lot out of those. I mean, who hasn't been pulled into their boss's office or asked you, yeah. hey, come in early for your shift tomorrow because I need to talk to you. It's I think most of us have been in that scenario or situation yeah. and it really makes a big difference when that happens. If you know your rights ahead of time. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got these rights. Don't. Yeah, you don't. don't have to go. You can tell them to stop midway if it changes to being something uncomfortable. Maybe it didn't start out as an investigation, right. but then suddenly the conversation changes. You can say, hey, I need you to stop. Right. And I need, I want my union rep present. And they legally have to stop. So it can really make a big difference for you as an employee to know and fully understand your rights. Yeah, we had a great, uh, <laughs> we had, uh, this is maybe a few months ago now, but a great story of, a member, I think a relatively new member who came to Weingarten Rights Training and the very next day, and they knew nothing, like they didn't know anything about it the day before, right? The very next day they went in and a coworker needed help in a wine garden. Oh. Um, and I think the coworker didn't even know about their wine garden rights. And, right? and this met, the member who came to the training was like, hey, you have these rights. I'm going to go in there with you, right? Awesome. <laughs> you know? And they helped to uh, make that situation better than it otherwise would have been. So like it's really, you know, potentially impactful. We just need a lot more people to have that knowledge and uh, be willing to step up a little bit, work with their coworkers. And I think that really, uh, it's just a lot of power in that, right? So it's pretty awesome. So we're doing the steward and sort of basic rights trainings in a, in various ways, right? Yeah. Online, in-person quarterly, through your rep, through those handbooks you can download. Mm-hmm. I think we have some work to do and we have good resources on the website about stewards and basic rights, but I think 
One of my goals for the coming year is to sort of revise those and make them even better and easier to sort of get around in them. We also are doing some other really interesting things. We heard from a lot of members throughout and after the sort of COVID emergency about increasing problems with mental health. Yes. That they or their coworkers or family members were facing personal crises related to mental health and stress. Mm-hmm. And people wanted, members wanted tools to help deal with that because it comes into the workplace, obviously, right? Yeah, everything that happens at home affects you all day long. Right. You can't be in crisis at home or dealing with a family member who's in crisis and not have it affect your work, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, we have started sponsoring mental health first aid training workshops, and it's a phenomenal training. It's training that was created by an organization called the National Council on Mental Wellbeing, and they have a, a train the trainer program. So. People get certified to do that training. And then, so we have a particular trainer that we're working with to bring that training to our members. And our next session on that, which is filling up, it is really filling up. So if you're interested, you better get on the website and sign up. Is August 16th in Silverdale. Done one in Mount Vernon, one in Richland, and I think we had one in Etsy. I forget the other location. Anyway, (laughs) we've done a couple of them. And they've been really great. I was at the first one. And I can tell you that people who went through that training have already provided support to people in severe members in severe crisis. Um, I think this is a life-saving program, literally, that with the skills and knowledge that you get from it. You're not expected to like, you're not a psychiatrist, you're not a <laughs> mental health worker, but you're you get trained to recognize when somebody's in crisis and to have some tools to think about how to appropriately engage a person and see if they want some help getting to people and services that can help. Yeah. Right. Anyway. So that's another kind of thing we do. It's just like if members identify a need that can be addressed in part through some kind of training or educational work, um, we're going to look for those resources and see if there's a way for us to get them to our members. I'm really glad you brought that up. I've heard little hints of that program from Mm -hmm. other people that I have talked to and interviewed, and I was wanting more information about it to supply to our members, being as how I work in healthcare. When I'm working with a coworker who's struggling, or if I have a friend who is struggling, I would like to have those resources to help connect them to someone who can help them and give them what they need. So the fact that our union is actively working to address that need now, I think is incredible. Yeah. Definitely sign up for that class. I'm happy to hear that it's filling up because that means people are actively engaged in this and participating and are wanting to make improvements. I think that's wonderful. Yeah, no, I lo- I, I agree hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. And I mean, I have personal experience having gone through the training and made use of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really, really powerful. Can you? Would you be willing to tell our listeners, um, of course, keeping it as private as possible yeah. of a situation when you were able to do that? Well, um, I'm going to probably choke up a little bit, but uh, I will tell you that one of the most powerful parts of the training was learning how to recognize when somebody may be thinking about suicide. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of us, probably most of us have had that experience in our life where either us or somebody we know yeah, we were afraid, right. was thinking about that, or had tried it. But most of us are afraid to intervene because we're afraid we're going to make things worse. So we're going to, you know, we don't know what to do. Right. We, it's we very don't scary. necessarily know how to get them the help that they're wanting or yeah. needing. And that is something that our world as a whole is really struggling with. Yeah. So this training taught us to recognize signs and how to ask the question. Yeah. What it empowered me to do in a number of situations and, and other people who went through the training and I've heard their stories 
is to be you know in a room with somebody or on a phone with somebody and recognize this is a person that is in crisis and then to ask the questions to figure out if that was the case and to figure out okay what's the sort of level of the situation and what's the appropriate way to respond not to try to give treatment yes. but to get a person to a resource that will help them in as timely a manner as they need it yeah. to be safe and it has kind of blown my mind both participating in hearing about those situations and how that training gave people the tools. So, and I will say this in some communities, you know, we can only offer so many of these as a union. Mm -hmm. They're not free to to the union and they're limited capacity because it's, you know, one trainer and like 30 students, but, but in a lot of communities, you can also find other places to get at the training. So if you're hearing this and you're like, oh my goodness, I want to do that. But there's, I don't see one scheduled where I can get it through the union. Um, Go ahead and Google mental health first aid, Go to the National Council on Mental Wellbeing's website and, you know, look and see if there might be a community organization near you that is offering that training. I can't recommend it enough. Thank you. Yeah. That's great for our listeners to hear about. Um, what other programs or resources does our union offer that maybe people don't know about? Like, for example, you brought up that you went back to school. Yes. And I believe our union does help with that process if people want to go back to school. Is that well, true? Well, right now, actually, we had a, through our international union, we had a free college program previously, mm-hmm. and this online college, that's on pause right now because there's a regulatory issue that has nothing to do with the union, but it has to do with the college, and uh-huh. hopefully that's going to get restored, but I don't want to encourage people to look for it right now because it's not there, <laughs> but I do know a number of members that have taken advantage of that to get degrees, and mm-hmm. we're really excited about it, so hopefully it'll come back. There is now, there's like a GED program through the international. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, there is a foreign language program. It's very hard to get a seat. It's online, and it's you know, if you're really interested in that, I can, I'm happy to like talk with folks about it, but I will say in advance, just fills up and it's really hard to get into it. Yeah. <laughs> as far as external educational programs through the union. Um, what else were you trying to get um, out there? I was trying to think <laughs> of, does our union have scholarships available? Oh, yeah. And so how do we find out about that? Yeah. And I have to say, even though I'm the education department, scholarships are like, I don't run that program. <laughs> so I don't, else, that's I don't okay. have all the details at the top of my head, but every year we do distribute um, scholarships to members and their families. And there's like an application process. It's not an unlimited number, but I think we are through for this year. We're through that period. But if anybody out there is like thinking, oh, I've got a kid going to college or I'm thinking about going back to school and you're interested in applying in the next round, you can certainly email me and I'll, I'll get the information out to you. That's great. I'm pretty sure we have a page on the website, but I'm not sure if there's, yeah, there's a scholarship page. So if you go to the website and you go to the member resources menu, there's a a drop down for the scholarship. And yeah, so our applications are currently closed, but next year for 2024, we'll have another round. And those typically, the applications tend to open, I think, around um, early in the year, like February and close early March. That makes sense. I mean, typically for that process, you have to sign up very early for your classes anyway. Yeah. And um, just in terms of other things that we that, that the education department does or is working on. Yeah. So we all know that, you know, learning doesn't just happen sort of in a training or a workshop. You have right? to do it. You have to do it. <laughs> and um, Here, do it, see it, teach so, it. So like what's the best time to learn about organizing and building a strong union in your workplace? It's when you have an issue going on that you want to address, when you have a contract coming up and you want to make transformative improvements in your contract, right? And you're like, okay, how do we get really strong so that the employer knows we're serious and they come to the bargaining table ready to really bargain and put something good, uh, you know, uh, meet us 
reasonably. So the other thing that we do is work with staff and leaders on how to, and I think we still have a long ways to go on this part of it, right? But we aspire to really work on when you have a campaign at a bargaining unit, you have an issue campaign, a contract campaign, something going on that the education department can provide resources Sometimes it might be formal training. Sometimes it might be just sitting down in a strategy session with staff and members in that bargaining unit and sort of thinking through, okay, how do we understand where our power comes from? Where are we strong in this bargaining unit? Where are we weak? Who are the leaders that maybe haven't yet gotten involved in the union, but they're the people, you know, knowing who your leaders are is the most important. That's the key to getting strong. If you, in your family, in your place of worship, if you participate in religion, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, there are always the people that everybody goes to for advice. There are always the people that organize the social activities. There are the people that are trusted for getting good information to everyone. Those people don't always step forward and say, hey, I want to be a shop steward, right? But they're there in your workplace. Yeah. So if we have, uh, let's say... Um, what department do you work in? I am the respiratory therapy department. Okay. Let's say, uh, you took another job somewhere (laughs) (laughs) and now all of a sudden, you know, we don't have a sort of a route into that department. We don't have a, you know, we got to think about, okay, who in there is the person that people go to right now that Mikhail is gone (laughs) or who's the second person? Cause we, more than one is great too. Right. Yeah. And how do we start to think about, okay, we need to be strong there if we're going to win a good contract and we're going to get changes in our team. Right. We're, we're all in RT and we have one specific changes and we want to make sure our voice is heard. You got to so, have a multitude of contacts in every department to keep yeah. updated on information, keep that information flowing between the union and the employees and the workers. Right. And it makes sense. We've talked multiple times again about how huge communication is and information sharing. And that relies heavily on our stewards and on our members and our reps identifying who is able and willing to be a participant. Right. So that's the kind of thing that we might have tools to sit down, work with you and your coworkers to rep on thinking, sort of mapping all that out and figuring out, okay, where are we weak? We need to get strong. We need to find leaders in those areas. Yeah. Where are we strong and ready to go? I was just in a shop steward training for Kaiser members Mm -hmm. and we have a great, you know, Kaiser is a little different in a lot of ways, but we have a program there. There's a national level like labor management partnership. And part of that is that stewards actually get, we get some paid time. Mm-hmm. When they can come to a steward training and they get information about being stewards, they get information about the labor management partnership, which provides certain tools for workers and managers to work together to make positive changes in their departments. And I was at one of these sessions the other day that focused a lot on organizing. And so this kind of stuff that we're talking about. Yeah. It was really great. You know, you were talking earlier about your conversation with Kathy that you talked about, say, like actions like a sticker up. Mm-hmm. Right. So St. Pete's is pretty big where you work. Right. Yep. Let's say management does something really egregious today and you want to send a really strong message to them tomorrow. You and your coworkers want to. That's not acceptable. How do you get everybody a sticker in 24 hours? Cap, like who's your rep? Brandon. Brandon Brandon is awesome, but he can't get to everybody. He doesn't have access to them physically, Mm -hmm. right? Because hospitals are kind of walled off. Union reps have a hard time even getting into the department. Right. And he couldn't possibly reach everybody. But what if you have a leader in every department? That you could very quickly contact. And you can very say, quickly hey, contact. There's a sheet of 20 stickers. Hey, at shift change, we're going to be out here. Pick up your stickers. We need to make sure everybody got a sticker on. Yeah. Right? So how do we get to that point? Right? That's the ideal point. It is. We can take an action like that because our members, workers, and their coworkers are well organized in the, in the shop. And it doesn't depend on brand, right, to reach, I don't know, how many people work at, how many people oh, are in so the union at St. Pete's? 
I honestly couldn't even answer that question. Brandon would have to, but I don't even know half of all of my coworkers' yeah, names. Right. There's still some people in my department that I actually haven't even met yet. Right. So you need a network. You need a network to organize a workplace like that. You know, and that's why I say the union isn't the office. The union isn't the rep. The union is you and your coworkers. It's so accurate. And that's why we need more communication right. and people willing to participate and stewards and right. needs. Yeah. Right. I would say my job in the education department, and education is almost a misnomer, but it's like to help us create those conditions. So to look around, to talk to members, to talk to staff and understand what do we need to get us further along towards a situation where, you know, in all of our workplaces, we have strong networks of leaders that can inform and activate their coworkers so that we can do that kind of thing. Right? Yeah. And when it's contract time management, there's no doubt that we are organized. We are prepared to strike if we need to. We're prepared to take whatever actions. We're prepared to go out to the community and tell our story. And if they don't come serious to the bargaining table, we're going to make them pay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? They're not. And, and they, they would be better off just actually, you know, make, yeah. we set settling a good contract. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. I think we've covered everything we set out to cover. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that is important that you want our listeners to hear about or make mention of? And again, if you think of anything later, we can always meet back for another reporting session. Yeah, I'm sure I'm going to I'm, I'm going to think of something later. <laughs> it's usually but how it goes, you know, when you're on your drive home and oh, gosh, I really wish I would have brought that up. I, I would just say this, that and something we didn't talk about. One thing we didn't talk about is mm -hmm. the other thing. So I'm going to I'm going to go two directions with this All right. <laughs> that are related. <laughs> OK. One of the other things that I do is support other departments other than reps, like our community organizing department and our political organizing department. So it's about hey, if a member is, you know, gets involved in our programs and they're interested in, say, housing justice, fighting for affordable housing. Well, our community organizing department is leading on that work and I'll help them get connected into that work community organizing will say, okay, well, where they live, this is the kind of stuff that we're involved in and get in touch and say, well, do you want to get involved in that? If you are really interested in creating worker-friendly majorities in your city council or your state legislature or your hospital board, yep. our political organizing department is a place to go. If you want to advocate for pro-worker legislation or political department, right? So I'm always looking for uh, members who express an interest in, you know, some aspect of our work. So it's not just a steward or a worksite thing, but also these other parts of our that we do and try and funnel them to a place where they can exercise their leadership and bring their capacity and energy to the work there. And so what I really want to say is if you want to improve your workplace, if you want to improve your community to make it better for working people in any way, but you're not sure where to start, or you have, maybe you're a little afraid about what it means, or maybe you don't have much time, right? Nobody has a lot of time. Yeah. Get in touch because there is a whole range of ways to follow. There's a lot of support for people who step up. You have a lot of rights that you probably don't know about and protections when you do step up. And your coworkers need you. Exactly. Right? Everyone <laughs> needs everybody to help make this happen. It yeah. is very much a joint effort. And every department, I feel, is intertwined in one way or another with that as the main goal and project of making everything better. Yeah, absolutely. So. Don't hesitate. You can come to a formal event or you can talk to me without any strings attached, no commitments. Um, <laughs> but we'll talk about, you know, what's a, what's a place that might fit for you? What's something that, that you care about that sort of matches what we're doing as an organization, as a whole? Whatever your capacity is, there is a way to contribute. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Was those the, those yeah, are the great yeah. two things. I love that. I'm glad you... <laughs> 
glad you brought that up. We'll end this episode okay. with, first of all, I'd like to thank you for making time out of your day and at the last minute rearranging to a different location to record. I appreciate that so much and for telling me and all of our listeners about all the wonderful educational opportunities that we have that I think everyone should try and take advantage of, which is again at Mm ufcw3000.org, if we haven't covered that enough times already. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you to our listeners. I hope everyone has a great rest of their day. Thank you, Mikhail. Thank you so much. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Mm -hmm.